our guest today is like the Mac Daddy of, of youth in, in Southern California. The Mac Daddy. And he, he would know that phrase because he, he, like I, are from that era that would, that would have been like, whoa, back in the day. Um, the second Sunday of January, I started and I shared a message called, you know, this is serious. And in that message, I, I made this statement. I'm not sure if you, if you remember this, but I said, we are not in competition with, with the churches around us. And we, like, we are not in competition with, with LifePoint or with Journey or, or with Foothills or any of the other churches around us. I said, we work together. And probably maybe two, three weeks after that, I sent my good friend Tony Orlando a text message. And I said, hey, what do you think about a, 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 a preacher swap? And he's like, I like it. Let's do it. And so we got together like a, like a week later and uh, we started talking about the details. And last week, if you were here, you noticed I wasn't here because I was with, I was with Pastor Tony at his church, LifePoint, which is literally like five blocks west of here. We kind of bookend the village, right? So everything in between us, well, that's all ours. We just, we've claimed it for the kingdom, right? So that, that's all ours. And so I was with them last week because normally on a preacher swap, we would just switch on the same day. But I, I said to him, I'm like, but I want to be here when you come to my church. And so we just modified it a little bit. And so, Pastor Tony, I'm going to ask you to come. He is a great friend of mine, ministry friend. We spend time together supporting one another in prayer. And uh, I want you just to open your hearts and receive what he's got for us. I believe he's got a word from the Lord for us. Thank you, church. Good morning. Thank you so much. Can I give a little shout out to your pastors, Pastor Craig and Renee? Thank you so much for, yes, yes. I want to tell you, you know, it's, it's great when acquaintances become friends. I've known Pastor Craig and Renee for a very long time. And up to the last few years, we've really become friends. And there's something very profound and very powerful about kingdom friends to lock arms with. And, and I have great history, Pastor Craig, in this church. So, yes, no, no, this, this, this is my home church. Understand, this is where I grew up. I'll share that here in a moment. But, but Pastor Craig and Renee, thank you for the invitation today. You are some of my favorite Canadians. Some of my favorite Canadians are here. Not just Joel. Not just, not just Joel. And, and so some of my favorite Maple Leafs and Oilers are in this room. So... And I'm not going to say which one I root for, okay. But I grew up in this church. My family, uh, I grew up in East County. I was born at Grossmont Hospital. And I grew up in Spring Valley. But we came to church here in December of 1980. We arrived at this church. And I want to tell you that if these walls could speak, they, they would not tell you about me up in the balcony passing notes to girls when I was in high school. They, it would not tell you that if these walls could speak. If these walls could speak, they would not tell you about me throwing water balloons off the roof of this church and hitting cars and then having La Mesa police get called. And we were surrounded by La Mesa police. We were here till like midnight one night. We could not leave because La Mesa police were surrounding. Uh, but if these walls could speak, they would not tell you that. And if these walls could speak, they would not tell you about the time I was literally lighting fireworks in front of 8809 La Mesa Boulevard while an officer pulled up while the sparkler was still going. If these walls could speak. But I'll tell you what, if these walls could speak, you know what they would tell you? They would tell you about the moments I had at this altar right here, right here in front of you, where God began to speak to me. And, and, and if these walls could speak, they would tell you at the moment in life when I got called into the ministry at Camp Pinecrest in 1987, and I came back here and God began to affirm that at this church. If these walls could speak, I would, I would tell you what would happen in that prayer chapel where we had prayer today. And I want to encourage you, please join the, the staff and the leaders in that prayer. You know, prayer before service is like stretching before a track meet. 
I used to coach track for years at Monte Vista High School, and I'll tell you this, if you do not stretch, you're in jeopardy of pulling a hamstring. So do not, you know what, pray before service so you do not pull a spiritual muscle. How about that, okay? Show up next Sunday at 945. But I can tell you, if these walls could speak, they would tell you the moments that happened in that prayer chapel every Wednesday night before youth group. And one time in particular, there was a woman who we knew, a young lady who was, who was 17, 18 years old, who was demon-possessed, who, who we prayed for. But we had to pray up before we went over there in the youth center, over in the fireside room, and pray for this young woman to be delivered. If these walls could speak. I think about this church, and this holds a special place in my heart, Pastor Craig, the last time I stood on this platform and spoke was August of 1994, the end of my internship. I did my internship here when I was in college. I went to college in Northern California, graduated in 1995, met my wife, and I want to show you a picture of my wife. I think we may have it on the screen, possibly. This is my family here. My wife is in the middle. She is doing children's over at our church five blocks down the road, so that's my wife, Leah, and as you can see, I'm down with the brown, so, um, and we had... We had two. We have two children. Trey on the right. He's 14 years old, a freshman at Steel Canyon High School. He's got way more style than I have in my in his pinky than I have in my whole body. So he's just a great young man. That's my daughter Tiana. Uh, she was she was born at Grossmont Hospital. We lived right down the street here, and I, I'm pretty sure my wife gave pretty much all of her birth at our home. She was almost born on Wakarusa, which is the side street to Grossmont Hospital. I walked in, she was born like five minutes later. So, and I've been chasing her ever since. So, but anyway, that is my family. They're a blessing to me. I'm so grateful uh, to be here. How many of you know that we have, I, in San Diego, we do not know what it is to drive in the rain. We don't understand how to drive in the weather. Is that true? How many of you know San Diegans do not know how to drive in the rain? We're, we're not Canadians who understand what rain, sleet, and snow is. When, when rain happens, and how many, we've had a lot of rain this season, right? It's been good, but how many, like you're done with the rain, you're done with the cold, you're freezing. Lord, let spring come, let there be summer. And when it's summer, you're going to complain it's too hot in church. So, you know, it's the same thing all over again. But we don't know how to drive in the rain. I do not know what it is, but in San Diego, we only understand the water in the Pacific. And then when raindrops begin to fall from heaven, we lose our ever-loving minds. I do not, not know what it is, but it happens here in San Diego. And we see Jesus. If you have a Bible, if you'll turn with me to the Gospel of Mark and go to chapter 4 here. We're going to be there in a moment. But here we see Jesus in the water. We see Jesus teaching a parable throughout the New Testament, teaching parables throughout parables throughout parables, his teachings throughout the New Testament, and he's teaching his disciples in Mark chapter 4 a life lesson while out on the water. How I many you know we can learn life lessons while driving, while out at the beach, wherever God has us, we can learn a life lesson. And, and Jesus is teaching his disciples a life lesson while out on the water. And how many of you know their journey, not much unlike ours here in March of 2023, coming really out of almost nearly three years to the day, we've come out of a completely different era and time in all of our lifetimes. Three years here in the next week, filled with ups and downs and rocky waves and tempest winds and even many times an uncertain future. How many know throughout the pandemic that, that there was times where I sat there, Lord, I don't know what the future holds. I do not know what, what you have for your church. I don't know what capital C. I do not know what you have for me, our family, this church, Cross Point, Life Point, Journey, Foothills, all of these churches. What do you have for us? What are you trying to show us? And I believe the pandemic exposed the cracks in the church, Pastor Craig, Pastor Renee. I believe it exposed the cracks in the church, capital C. Because you who are here right now, you're the committed. You're the all in. You were the ones that weathered the storm. And you've stayed and you've endured and you've hung in there. 
And sadly, the casualty of COVID has been people who have gotten very comfortable with church in their pajamas. They're staying home now. But how many of you know that we need this community that is the church? We need this body. I felt something, I felt something when I walked in the prayer room. I felt a sense of being, of being protected and prepared and being prayed for and praying for healing before for our sister, praying for healing before service ever started. The preparation of the gospel with the saints all around, that's something that's profound. Ryan, thank you so much and the team for leading us in, in the worship. And really not just leading us in worship, but helping us realize that God's presence was already here before any of us got in the room today. And so we see that whole idea of thank you, thank you for enduring the last three years of storm. And so here we see Jesus in Mark chapter 4 offering peace in the midst of this storm. If you'll join me now, Mark chapter 4, verses uh, 35 to 41 says this. On the same day, when evening had come, he said to them, let us cross over to the other side. Now when they had left the multitude, they took him along in the boat, and he was. And the other little boats were also with him, and a great windstorm arose, and the waves beat into the boat so that it was already filling. But he was in the stern, asleep on a pillow. Did you catch that? Jesus is in the stern, asleep on a pillow. And they awoke him and said to him, teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? Then he arose and rebuked the wind and the sea and said, peace be still. And the wind ceased and there was a great calm, but he said to them, why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? And when they feared exceedingly, they said to one another, who can this be that even the wind and the sea obeys him. Heavenly Father, right now, in these few moments that we have, may you enlighten and illuminate scripture to the very corner of every aspect of our souls. May it challenge us in our faith. May it challenge us in our lives. May, may it, it, it move us, Lord. And right now, Father, in this very room, may we never lose sight. May we always be struck by the awe and wonder of who you are. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. And so we see at this moment that the, the storm really becomes a crisis for the believers. How many would raise your hands that you've been going through a storm? And for those of you raising your hand right now, that storm you're going through is a crisis. It's a crux. It's a crossroad for you and I as believers. We know that, that the crisis can often become a moment of discovering your true identity. How many of you know in the moment of a storm, in the moment of crisis, it can be that time where you find out who you really are. And in 2010, nearly 13 years ago, I went through a major storm in my life. We were serving at a church not that far from here in Spring Valley. I've been youth pastoring for multiple decades at this point, and I still love youth. My heart's, I still am a part of the youth convention, which please buy, buy every baked good out there. We Understand, friends, we have 2,000 plus junior high and high school converging on the town and country here on April 28th through the 30th. Stay away from Fashion Valley on Saturday. That's all I'm going to tell you. Stay away from Fashion Valley, especially the food courts. Stay far away. But support our students. It is going to be a wonderful time. Great speakers and just moments of encounter. But 2010, rewind, I'm, I'm going through this, this season in my life. And, and my son that you saw on screen, he was, he was two years old. 
and my daughter was three months old, and the Lord said it was time to move on. In the middle of a bad economy, Pastor Craig, when everything's going great, and I could have just, you know, mailed it in and had my little nice check coming in, direct deposit every other week, and the Lord said, it's time to go. And that moment in time, it was like Abraham, where God says, I'm calling you to a land that you know not of. And I'm like, Lord, why? And so I resigned that position after nearly a decade of ministry there at that church. And people were asking me, are you sure you've heard from the Lord? Do you really think you've heard from the Lord in these moments? And all I could respond was, if obedience is hearing, then yes, I need to be obedient to the voice of the Lord in what's next. And so I was very quickly finding that in that moment, in that storm, my identity was quickly being formed in the midst of that trial. And so while my son was two years old, my daughter's three months old, we walked out in faith. And how many of you know, as Pastor Craig said, and that is the awesome, most awesome thing on a loan application, we are living by faith. How much is that? How much do you need it to be? And so we, we, we leap out. I'll never forget 2011, I got my W-2. How many of you got your W-2s here in the last couple of months? You should have got at the end of January. My W-2 in San Diego said $11,000. Lord, how did we live? You know, it was beans and rice and Jesus Christ for our two kids. They're half Mexican. They already like that, but it doesn't matter. You know, they, they will never know what we went through in that moment in time. Never know. Because we stepped out in faith. We never missed a mortgage. We never were without. Yeah, we was very, very lean in those years. But the Lord was trying to show us something. You see, friends, my identity up until that point, August 22nd of 2010, my identity was wrapped up in a title, Pastor Craig. My identity was wrapped up. I was Tony Orlando, the youth pastor at Faith Chapel. I was Tony Orlando, the area rep for all the assemblies. I was Tony Orlando, the worship leader. I was Tony Orlando this and Tony Orlando that. And my name was attached to a business card. And my last Sunday, I walked off stage, and that chapter closed, and I went home, and on August 23rd, the Lord said, it's just Tony. Just by first name, not even my first and last name, it's just you and me. Sometimes the Lord needs to call you by first name and say, it's just you and me. All those titles were gone. The business card was thrown out the window. Those things that I once possessed that really I stood behind. Because how many of you know you can stand behind a business card? You can stand behind a title. You can stand behind a PhD. You can stand behind a doctor. Whatever it is, you can stand behind those. And that becomes who you are. It begins to define you. And I realized at 37 years old, that's not who I really was. And so I said, Lord, I don't know. We left with no church to go to. We left with no position in hand. I was working construction with my dad. God help me. My dad fired me 13 times, and that was no different in my adult life. I'm working for my father and, and, and at this moment saying, Lord, what are you trying to show me? And the Lord said, just be obedient, dig ditches, push the plow, and I will show you. And I said, Lord, I'm trusting you. I do not know who I am. You ever said that to the Lord? Lord, I do not know who I am. But I'm trusting you to show me for what is next. So 2010 rolls around, 2011, $11,000 on my W-2. 2012, God calls to start a church. In the middle of that, Pastor Craig, I ruptured a disc in my back. I woke up on a Sunday morning. I rolled over in bed. It was as simple as it sounds. I rolled over in bed and something let loose. The pain, as, as fire pain as I've ever felt in my life. Women, I do not, I can't relate to childbirth. I've heard it's really tough. And guys, we have a different level of pain. Like you get a splinter, it's like childbirth, right? Okay, it's just, it's just a different story. I rolled over in bed and I found out that I ruptured a disc in my back. I could not walk. 
I began to have atrophy. I lost weight in this leg. My, this calf was skinnier than this calf. I could not walk. I could not pick up my kids. I sold my golf clubs in protest. I was done. I said, Lord, what am I doing? We lived upstairs. I couldn't even hardly walk up or down the stairs. I had to shave in shifts. I would shave half my face, go sit in the bed, and stand back up again. I could not walk. I had no feeling. The sciatica, had, I had numbness in this leg. And I'm asking God why. How many of you know asking God why is really not a good question? Because most of the time in my life, he never answers. And ask God why, why, why. Silence, crickets, nothing. And then all of a sudden, sometimes we need to shift our why to thank you. Thank you, Lord, for having the confidence in me to walk through that. Thank you, Lord, for having the confidence in our sister to, to show up this morning with a cane, believing God was going to heal her. Thank you, Lord, for having the confidence in me, Lord, to walk through it. There's nothing special about Tony, but you saw something fit in me. You saw something fit in Pastor Craig and Renee to, to pick up their lives and uproot themselves from Canada. Come down here and say, there's a church in La Mesa. We're going to come to the table, no pun intended, La Mesa. We're going to come to the table of the Lord and be obedient to that which God has called us. So I found myself in 2010, 11, and 12, finding my identity in the midst of the storm. So here's what we know. Here's what we know about this passage. The disciples, we knew that many of them were fishermen. They knew how to fish. So therefore, because they knew how to fish, they weren't always fishing from the shore. They knew how to fish from a boat, which means they knew how to navigate the seas. These disciples were fishermen. Now it looked and appeared like a clear night, but then the storm came, really, as scripture says, apparently out of nowhere. And the Greek term really indicates that this was no ordinary wind. Not even related to a strong wind or, or gale force wind. It actually refers to a whirlwind with violent and furious gusts. Now, how many of you know that life can be trucking along just fine? Everything seems sunny and clear. And we're progressing very nicely in our little white picket fence with two kids and a couple Teslas in the driveway. Who has a Tesla? I don't have a Tesla. I want to ride if you have one. I don't have one, so thank you. And when suddenly, in the midst of that, that perfection, right, as society views it, a storm comes upon us. A, stor a storm descends on our lives. And how many of you know as believers, we are certainly not immune to the storms as believers, right? It's like, oh, I'm a Christian. I don't get flat tires. I don't, bad things don't. No, no, as, as Christians, sometimes I think more of that happens to us. For a testing of our faith. And indeed, if we belong to the Lord, we know that trouble and testing are inevitable, as it says in James. So these sinking disciples, they were in trouble. They were bailing out water as fast as they could, but their boat was filling up even faster. They were staring death in the face, and all the while the Lord was sleeping. It seemed as for them that somehow he was indifferent and uncaring or unresponsive to their need. Jesus, don't you care? Jesus, don't you love us? Aren't you moved by our situation? You ever said that to the Lord? Lord, you, I, where are you? Lord, I know you're here, but I, I can't see you. I can't hear you. I don't even feel you, Lord. Are you not moved by my situation? The storm becomes a crisis for the believers. And when we find ourselves in the eye of the storm, what would you rather do? And this is my declaration for you, for us as a church, a collective church. And Pastor Craig, I'm so glad for what you said, that we all link arms. In this era, we find ourselves post-COVID. May God help us to link arms with faith community to do what's best for the king. This is kingdom work today. This was kingdom work. Pastor Craig did such, he did such an amazing job bringing the word in our church last week. 
because it was kingdom work last week. It's kingdom work today. Our youth pastor is speaking. I'm, I'm, I'm praying blessing over her that it's kingdom work in our church, that Journey is having kingdom work done today. And so we see that, that in the midst of this storm, I don't know about you. I don't know about you. But wouldn't you rather have been in the storm with him than in the storm without him? And here's Jesus' response. Let me set the stage here with Jesus' response. Jesus' response is this. The roar of the wind, the pounding of the waves. So just, I'm setting the stage here. This is what's going on. This is the, what's happening around the boat. The roaring of the wind, the pounding of the waves, the crashing of the thunder, the crack of the lightning, and Jesus is asleep. Sound asleep. Taking a good, you ever have a good nap? Hey, Pastor Craig, we used to do Sunday afternoon naps, man. We lost the art. Because, you know, we used to come back here for Sunday night service when I was a kid. We had Sunday night. That was when we had church. And we go, we go out to lunch and we, we go home. We take a nap and then wake up about 4, 30, 5 o'clock, get the croutons out of your eyes and go back to church. Take a good, good nap. Jesus is taking a nap right now. But how many of you know, not the roar of the wind, not the pounding of the waves, the crash of the thunder, the crack of the lightning, none of these sounds awoke the Savior. Did you catch that? None of these sounds woke the Savior. No, he arose when one of his disciples asked for help. How many know that Jesus lends an ear to you and me, not because of the roar of the wind or the crashing waves or the, or the crack of the thunder or the lightning, but from the sound of your voice, his children? is when he rises up out of his sleep. You see, the Lord may have not responded to the storm, but he will always hear the cry and the call of his people above the sound of the storm. Now, here's some facts about the storm. And Jesus, he permitted the storm, and he actually led them into it. Jesus had a sense of humor. I, I love our Savior. There were so many things you read in the New Testament, you go, oh, Jesus, you're funny. You're funny. Jesus not only permitted the storm, but he led them into it. He allowed them to feel the fury of the storm. And he appeared to be unconcerned about the storm. But he was with them in the storm. And as long as he was with them, there was hope that they were safe. So the Lord answers their cry, and he stills the storm, and he arose, and he rebuked the wind. And how many know the storms in life become revealing of what's going on inside of us. Back to our identity, identity in the midst of the storm. The storms in our life are not only a crisis for us as believers, but they also become a time that reveals our true character, reveals who we are, and reveals is what God is doing in and through us at that moment, both with our character and with our attitude through our response. You see, storms expose weaknesses and reveal our human frailty. I remember in 2010, 11, and 12, the storms began to reveal my human weakness, my frailty, my physical frailty, my spiritual frailty, and there was nothing else I can do sometimes than get on my knees and say, Lord, I do not know what is next. I surrender my life to you. I remember that last few years, I prayed that prayer for our church. Lord, I don't know, are we going to close the doors of our church? Yeah, I don't know who's going to come back. We were online for a year and a half. People say they're online, but are they really online? And when we actually go back in the building, it's just me, me and my wife and two kids, who knows? And we're struggling at that moment to deal with, with, with the fear of the unknown and apprehension of what's next. And, and the government and society was trying to rob us of our peace in the midst of those things. And we see, and not to get political, I'm just saying that was the, that was the truth. We're, we're living in fear. We're in shelter in place. What's next, Lord? Are we going to live in our homes forever and never get out? Might seem a little harsh, but think about that for a moment. What did the Lord say? Why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? Not a little faith. How is it that you have no faith? 
because they failed to trust his promise. And what was his promise? I read it in the very first verse, the first two verses that we read. What was his promise? He said, let us go to the other side, which ensured a safe arrival. If Jesus says, we're going to go to the other side, take it to the bank, death and taxes, you're going to get to the other side. But the disciples in their human frailty, in their human weakness said, there's a storm. Surely we're going to perish. And Jesus is like, have, have you no faith? They failed to rely upon his presence because he was there with them. They failed to take account of his power. Could he not perform a miracle? Because why? sometimes I look at the disciples, I'm like, these guys were walking with Jesus every day. Talk about spending time with the Savior. Twelve followers of Christ and, and three, even closer, and one he called his beloved. And these twelve disciples who were following were still doubting. Could he not perform a miracle? Yet two chapters earlier, in Mark chapter 2, we're in Mark chapter 4. In Mark chapter 2, what does Jesus do? Jesus forgives and heals a paralyzed man. Miracle. Next chapter, Mark chapter 3, Jesus healed a man with a shriveled hand on the Sabbath. That was taboo. You couldn't heal on the Sabbath, but Jesus did it because he was Jesus. Could this not same Jesus who did those miracles perform just one more? The disciples were there with him. They witnessed those two miracles. And here Jesus is, the most calm when the storm is most fierce. And now we get to the three most profound words in this passage of Scripture, which are what? Peace, be still. You know how many times in the middle of the night where I've lied awake at 2 in the morning with unrest or fear, anxiety, or concern about our kids or the future of our church or our family or whatever. Sometimes I just have to pray that same prayer that Jesus spoke to calm the storms. Lord, peace be still in my life. Lord, peace be still in the lives of the members and the people here at Crosspoint. Lord, peace be still. Because what happened at that moment, Jesus leaned his ear toward us to listen to his children. And he responds by saying, peace be still. So in the midst of your storm right now, and we're going to close, I've asked Ryan and the band, if they would come back. Because we're going to have, can we, Pastor Craig and Renee, can we do a little ministry today at the end? Can we pray for people? Is that okay? Can we, can we pray for people? So as, as Ryan and the band come back and begin to lead us in some spirit-led moments of, of worship. In the midst of your storm, I want you to remember two things today. If you're taking notes, write these things down. Number one, when Jesus speaks, the storm listens. Above all else, when Jesus speaks, the storm listens. So here's what we do. Here's what we do in the flesh as humans, as people in our, caught up in our human frailty. Here's what we do. Lord, here's everything going on in my life. This is what we do. This is how we pray. Lord, here's everything going on in my life. What's wrong? What's missing? The struggles, the anguish, and the pain. And trust me, friends, these are not wrong. I'm not telling you. This is just what we do. This is human nature. It's not bad to make those needs known because why? He's our father. He, that's what he wants us to do. But what if we shifted our thinking, our spiritual mindsets, and our prayers to this. Why don't we stop telling God how big our storm is and start telling our storm how big our God is? What if we, what if we just changed that? What if we shifted that for a moment? When the trials in life come, what if we just said, I'm tired of telling God how big my storm is. Guess what? He already knows. He already knows. But let's shift our thinking and tell our storm how big our God is, that he is greater and what if we, why don't we start 
speaking the name of Jesus. That there's power. I mean, there's power in the name of Jesus. When I just say the name of Jesus right now, there's power in the name of Jesus. Jesus. Why don't we start speaking the name of Jesus over anxiety, fear, depression, isolation, and doubt? Why don't we start speaking the name of Jesus over insomnia, migraines, back pain, and cancer? Why don't we start speaking the name of Jesus over unemployment, the cost of living, the balance of my bank account? Why? Because some of you are broke like a joke in a world that is trying to be woke, okay? So that is what the reality is right now for you. But why don't we start speaking the name of Jesus over those things? Why don't we start speaking over not just unemployment, but the job that we do not yet have? Because some of you, God is preparing you for something new this year. You know, the Lord has been challenging me about, about this this phrase in the Old Testament, expand our territory. Lord, may you expand our territory in the kingdom. May you expand the territory in our lives. And some of you, God is expanding your territory right now at your workplace. I'm talking kingdom territory. I'm not talking like vice president of operations. I'm talking kingdom territory. But maybe in the midst of that, God is preparing you for something else. God is challenging someone in this room to start your own business. And you're, or you're afraid. You're fearful. He's calling you like, like God did me as he did to Abraham in 2010 to leave with no place to go, with no, no guarantee of, of money or finance or anything. And you know, I want to speak here for a moment before we close. I want to I speak. You know, our kids, they're 14 and 12 now, almost 15 and 13. They were so young. They do not have a clue of what my wife and I went through in that three-year period. They do not know. But I'll tell you what, it's in my hip pocket right now, Pastor Renee, because you know you have, you have two wonderful kids. And for those of you that have kids, maybe your kids right now are serving the Lord and to God be the glory. But some of you, the reality is you have kids who are estranged from the faith, who do not know the Lord, who once knew him or have never known him. And so I have that in my hip pocket someday. You know why? Because each and every one of our kids at some point in time, and right now this big thing is deconstructing your faith, our kids will go through what's called a crisis of belief. They're going to question what they know. They're going to question God's word. They're going to question, is this real? And not if, but when my kids come to me and say, you know, Dad, we grew up in this. I'm just not really sure. I went to convention. I went to camp. I was up at Pinecrest. God touched me. God moved. I, I believe in him, but I'm just not really sure. Wait, well, hold on a sec, kids. Let me, let me just sit you down for a moment and talk about what God did in 2010 or 11. You did not know it was beans and rice in Jesus Christ in that year. You didn't know what God was doing. You didn't know how he provided for you. You never missed a meal because God showed up on our behalf. So I want to encourage you, family and friends, if that's you today, we're going to pray for those who are estranged from the faith. Because I believe that grieves your heart. And maybe you lie awake at night. But how many of you know God has not forgotten you? He has not forgotten your sons and your daughters. So why don't we start speaking the name of Jesus over these things? Why don't we start speaking the name of Jesus over everything in our lives, our churches, our children, our families, our future? What if we started speaking the name of Jesus and staking a claim in the roll call of revival? Pastor Craig spoke about it. There's revival breaking out all over this world. Asbury, yes. Lee University, yes. William Jessup in Sacramento, yes. And I even heard this last week. It's starting in Orange County at Vanguard University this last week in Chapel. Yes. Why not La Mesa? Why not San Diego? Why not Southern California? Why not this, why not this state? 
that is looked upon by the entire U.S. as the most craziest, liberal, whacked, out of control, ridiculous form of whatever you want to say, attach whatever adjectives to our state. Never occur to you that maybe we're so far gone that the Spirit is going to do something so, and, and with such magnitude and such power that it will bleed over into other states? California would be like the, what, 10th or 12th largest country in the world if it was a standalone. And all the more so may the, may the power of the Holy Spirit, you know, in my lifetime, I have heard about revival. I've heard about the Azusa Street Revival in 1906. I've heard about the Welsh Revival overseas. I've heard about the Toronto Blessing back in the late 80s, early 90s. I've heard about those moments. Heard about Brownsville. I'm, heard, I'm hearing about Asbury right now. I'm saying, Lord, I just want to be included in what you want to do. I, don't want, I got a little spiritual FOMO sometimes. I want, I want to feel the spirit the way they do. I want to remember the moments I had at this altar, and I want to experience that again. But you know, Lord, I want fresh man. I want fresh bread for today. I want today. I can't rely on that experience in 1989 right there. I can't rely on a prayer time I had up here behind that little panel right in 1991, fearing I was going to get drafted, Operation Desert Storm. That's what I thought. I was going to get drafted. I'm praying, Lord, help me not to get drafted. I'll serve you in our country, but I don't want to go. May we have a fresh move. When Jesus speaks, the storms listen. Don't tell your God how big your storm is. He already knows. Let's start telling our storm. Let's take our rightful place. Let's put our spiritual stake in the ground and say, storm, I'm going to look you in the face, cancer. I'm going to look you square in the eye, and I'm going to tell you how big my God is today. And here it is, church. Here it is. And I read this, and this is where I start, my mind gets blown sometimes when I read scripture. We're still in chapter, we're still in Mark. Shift four chapters later. Jesus performed miracle after miracle. His disciples, the closest followers of him, he's, he's calming the storm. He's talking about their, the, the challenged faith that these 12 followers have. These fishermen who knew their way. They were navigators. They were stargazers. They knew their way around the boat. They knew their way around the sea. And now we shift to Mark chapter 8. It says this in verse 13. Then he left them and got back into the boat and crossed the other side. So Jesus finds himself back in the boat. And then this little portion of scripture here, before 14, it's where Jesus is talking about the yeast and the Pharisees. Kind of an interesting thing. Listen to this first sentence. Remember this. The disciples had forgotten to bring bread except for one loaf they had with them in the boat. Remember that. And Jesus goes on to talk about the yeast of the Pharisees. Be careful, Jesus warned them. Watch out for the yeast of the Pharisees and that of Herod. They discussed this with one another and said, is it because we have no bread? Aware of their discussion, Jesus asked, what are you talking about having no bread? Do you still not see or understand? Are your hearts hardened? Do you have eyes but fail to see and ears but fail to hear? And don't you remember? And that's when he stops. Don't you remember? How many times that we've been in a prayer meeting or a place like this in service and we're praying, Lord, what about this? We, we have no bread. And the Lord's saying, don't you remember that one time? Don't you remember that one time in 2010 where I showed up for you? And so the storyline is like this. Mark chapter 4, Jesus calms the storm. Mark chapter 8, we find Jesus back in the boat. 8.14 says the disciples have forgotten to bring bread except for one loaf they had with them in the boat. Probably one crusty little loaf. 
aware of their discussion, Jesus asked them, why are you talking about having no bread? Do you still not see or understand? Are your hearts hardened? Do you have eyes but fail to see and ears but fail to hear? And don't you remember? In other words, don't you guys get it? How often do we look around and say, Lord, where are you? You showed up a few chapters ago. Are you going to show up now? Because some of you are sitting here right now and you remember a time where God showed up for you, but you're questioning and you're doubting and you're concerned and maybe you're even lamenting about what is yet to be, saying, Lord, are you going to show up now? Mark chapter 6, here it is. Remember, we had one loaf of bread. Mark chapter 6, what did Jesus do? Another miracle. Jesus feeds the 5,000 with five loaves and two fish. Mark chapter 8, earlier in this chapter, Jesus feeds the 4,000. Perhaps this was the same week or even the same day that Jesus finds himself back in the boat. We see Jesus all throughout the New Testament. Miracle after miracle after miracle that he performs. And yet somehow in Mark Chapter 8, this becomes and forever will be known as the miracle that never happened. Why? Because the disciples were so concerned about the storm here not that long ago, and they're sitting here, are you going to show up, Lord? What about bread? Why? Because these disciples failed to realize that everything they needed was already with them. Jesus was in the boat and a crusty loaf of bread. Probably came a time where they're on the boat, they probably got hungry. And Jesus wasn't going to bring it up, but there's a loaf there and there's Jesus. A few chapters earlier, he just fed 5,000 and 4,000. That was 9,000, not including women and children. You think Jesus could have fed 12 with one loaf? I think so. And so it became the miracle that never happened because everything we need is already in the boat. His name is Jesus. Jesus and a crusty loaf of bread was the unperformed miracle because of men who closely walked with Jesus, who failed to realize that everything they needed was already with them. Too often, church, we turn to everything but Jesus for our answer. We turn to everything but Jesus for our solutions. We turn to everything but Jesus for the next steps. We turn to everything but Jesus when it comes to issues of faith. So I want to pray right now, and Ryan's going to lead us here, but I want to pray for you. And we just bow your heads and Close your eyes for a moment. Maybe there's something that resonates in this word today. I pray it's not my words. I pray it's holy scripture words that leap off the page to you. But I'm confident in a room this size that those who are struggling with what is next. And you maybe don't have the eyes to see, the ears to hear, the mind to understand what God wants to do for you right now. And maybe you're in my moment of 2010 where you're walking out in faith, not sure what's next, saying, Lord, are you there? Lord, do you hear me? Lord, are you not moved by my situation? Lord, are you not concerned where I'm at? Lord, do you even care? Lord, I, I know you're there, but I can't see you. I know you're there, but I can't hear your voice. I know you're there, Lord, but please, can you turn your ear towards me right now? And I want to encourage you, friend, my, my faith has been rocked. My faith has been changed. And I will never go back to trusting because I would have told you, church, I had faith at 37 years old. 
But as I look back on what faith was, guess what? I didn't have to worry about what faith was because faith is, 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 no, is not knowing what's next. It wouldn't be faith if we knew what was next. And so I would have told you I had faith at 37 years old, but I didn't know what faith was till I had to put it to the test. And some of you right now are putting your faith to the test, right? You're putting legs to your faith. Because I never was without. We had a great upbringing. My parents weren't rich. We weren't poor. We had everything we needed. Got my way through Bible college. Had a nice first job. Had a second job. And here I am at 37 years old. No job. No money. Just Jesus. So right now, that's you here. You're not sure what's next. And you need the Lord to show up on your behalf. And we know we serve a God who is not always early, but he is never late on our behalf. And if that's you right now, I want you to slip your hand up and then down. I want to pray for you right now. You need God to show up right now in a profound and powerful way, whether it be with employment, whether it be with a fracture in relationship. Maybe you've had someone, a distant relative who you've been estranged from for years. You need God to show up right now. And then for those who we talked about earlier, you have a family member, a son, a daughter, a niece, a nephew, a grandchild, a brother or a sister who does not know the Lord and maybe they knew the Lord at one time, maybe they grew up in church, maybe they were filled with the power of the Holy Spirit, maybe they were slain in the Spirit, maybe they were baptized at a beach baptism somewhere, they went to camp, they had a power, maybe they had a call of God in their life and they have walked away. You know, I'm going to ask you to do something bold today. Would you stand and represent that person who is estranged from the faith in your life right now? Oh, Jesus. Church, will you open your eyes right now and look around? I want you to look around. We're not going to move around right now, but can we just extend a hand to those around us, a hand to those in this room right now. Father, right now in Jesus' name, Lord, you know your heart and your compassion would be that none would perish. And so right now, Father, you know them by name. We don't have to have each person stand and call out their name, whether it's Matthew or Susan or James, or Sophia. Lord, it does not matter. The names are unimportant, Lord, but you know the name attached to every person who is standing here, Lord, who has been estranged from the faith. They have walked away. They have questioned you. And maybe through, through tragedy or trauma, something has happened, and they've, they've even been angry at you. God, may you turn their hearts back toward you. May you use every person standing here, Lord, to be a catalyst, Lord, for the love of Jesus, Lord, in their lives. May there never be judgment or condemnation back at them. May there be love and compassion and mercy and grace as you have given us, Lord. So, Lord, we pray, Lord, for the hearts to be returned from the prodigals. In Jesus' name, we thank you for it, God. In church right now, maybe you felt like your identity has been wrapped up in the things you've done, the places you've gone, the titles that you've had. But I'm here to tell you that my greatest identity-shaping moments were in the midst of the storm. And I want to encourage you, no matter what you're going through right now, it's not that we have to like the storm. It's not that we have to like what's going on. It's not that we have to like the wind and the waves and the tempest winds and the crack of the thunder and lightning and all that stuff. We don't have to like it. But may we embrace it as a moment that God is trying to show us what we would not learn otherwise outside of the storm. So I want to encourage you as I pray a prayer of blessing, and we're going to spend time in prayer. And if you feel so led, would you come to these altars and begin to pray and seek God and seek his face. Surrender your life completely and wholly under him as we sing. So Father, right now, in Jesus' name.
for those who are struggling in the midst of their storm, may they find identity, not just who they are, but whose they are. Lord, we are yours. We are your children. And when storms are, are raging in our lives, Lord, you're so peaceful, Lord, you're asleep. But God, you will rise with attention when one of your children call your name. You listen to us. May you turn your ear down toward us. Father, I pray blessing over this church right now. Father, I pray blessing over pastors Craig and Renee. God, as they lead this church, may the mantle of leadership, of vision, and future rest upon them. God, I pray for protection over their family. I pray for Josiah right now. Lord, continue to expand his territory. Lord, I know they just released a song, Lord, that he's been a part of. Lord, may that just be the tip of the iceberg, God, for what you're yet to do in his life. I pray for faith right now, Lord. We, we know, Lord, that worship is in her and the world is waiting. And so I pray right now for your favor, Lord, as she wraps up her senior year and goes into next chapters for her. God, I just pray nothing but favor and blessing over this family. Lord, this family of believers, Cross Point Life, Lord, a church that is so near and dear to my heart. Back to La Mesa First Assembly of God, Lord, in the 1980s. God, may you just bless this church. May you expand its territory. May it be a beacon on this hill, Lord, the foothills of Mount Helix. A beacon where people are just drawn into this place. They would sense and feel your presence. They would know that you're real. They would know that you're near. And they would say, there's something in that church that I want. There's something in that church that's conspiracy contagious. I need it. Lord, I don't think we've begun to realize, Lord, the spiritual deficit that is coming to those in this world, Lord, who are going to be so desperate that no drug can fill, no sexual encounter can ever replace. Lord, it's just going to have to come from the power of the Holy Spirit doing a profound work in their hearts and lives where the, where the world will leave them empty, Lord. You will fill them up. So, God, may you help us right now. We worship you in spirit and in truth, and I just pray one more blessing over this church. May you bless them. May you keep them. May your face shine upon them. Be gracious to them. Turn your face toward them and give them your peace. We all worship. And God said, amen.